Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I connect with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. In today's episode, I sit down with Alyssa Lilly, an AFAB self-embodiment coach and cyclical living expert. We discuss Alyssa's story of identifying as non-binary and what has led them to start their coaching program. This episode does differ from previous episodes where I'm usually talking about architecture, Vasu Shastra, yoga, because today we're going to talk about gender identity, what that means, and I wanted to create a space where I could ask Alyssa questions to better educate myself. Please note there is a trigger warning in the episode where we discuss Alyssa's childhood where they share about abuse growing up. I encourage you to all listen to today's episode with an open mind and open heart. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on from the Honeycomb Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, and I am just so honored to be here when you reached out and was just like, I want to learn more about you and what you do. It just meant the world to me. So thank you for having me and holding this space. Of course. And before we begin every episode, we like to share something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? So I'm grateful for so many things. It's hard to narrow it down to just one. And this is going to be really silly, but I'm okay. It's making my inner child so happy. But I don't know if you've ever heard of Beat Saber. Have you heard of Beat Saber? No. Okay. So it's a video game on the VR headset where you have like lightsabers and you hit with music, you hit little boxes. and. I am so grateful for that game. I have, um, I actually injured my back last year and I, w- I like had to go to physical therapy for a year and it was a lot of recovery. And I used to do like pole and Lyra and aerial sports. And I can't do that as of right now. My body can't do that. And even like things like yoga hurt my back. So I haven't been able to move my body a whole lot. And being able to play Beat Saber has like brought so much joy to me because I'm moving my body and I get to dance to music while I do it. And it's been such a joy. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's awesome. No, it's those little things. I love that, that that you get to have have fun for this week as well. My gratitude is also something little. It's It's been really cold in California. And oh gosh, I say yes. this with, I know you live in the Midwest. I've lived in the Midwest. I know this doesn't compare. Like, But it's, it's cold for you. It's, it's yeah, apples it's, and oranges. It's 42 degrees outside right now. Are you kidding me? That's for us. That's like the dead of winter. And last week, I finally committed to getting a space heater. It's actually sitting me, behind me right now. And it's this cute little space heater. And it just travels around our apartment with me. And I am so grateful for it because... It's been so cold and we've tried heating the house, but we have no insulation. We have single pane glass windows. So California is not built for cold. (laughs) We are definitely not built for cold. And so this little space heater has been my like, I think I'm going to name it too because I name everything. But so now I just have to name it, but I'm so grateful for it because it's kept me so warm the last week. Oh my goodness. I love that. I think I need one. My house has been really cold. (laughs) It's and well, and gas prices went up. Oh my gosh, ridiculous. I know we have a fireplace, which is new. We got this house last year and I'm really excited about it. We have a fireplace, but it's one of the, it's a gas fireplace. And so I'm just like, we still have to be careful. We can't just have it on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, our December bill was because we had it for Christmas for the ambiance, also gas fireplace on. And yeah, it was a lot, but yeah. So I'm really grateful for my little space heater. So those little things. 
It really is. And we, we forget that because I, I feel like when we come to gratitude, it's so easy to go to like family, my kids, my partner. And those are really great things to, to be grateful for. But I think it's really important to have the reminder of just the little things. Like I have my slime sitting here that I like to play with. You might you guys might see it if I start talking. I need something to do with my hands. But like that's another thing. I love just having that's like slime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's yeah, it's, it's those little things for sure. So Alyssa, you said, yeah, when I reached out to you and I wanted to learn more about what it is that you do, I'm just so curious about about your world. And would you mind sharing with the listeners kind of what you do, the community you're building? Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about this. I can talk about this all day. Um, Like I said, I was really super excited that you reached out and wanted to bring me on your podcast, not only educate yourself, but your listeners. So for those honeycomb podcast listeners, I am non-binary. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a cyclical living expert and self-embodiment coach. And I really focus on serving gender nonconforming AFAB. So I'll break that down for you. AFAB is assigned female at birth. So if you were born a female with female parts, that's an inclusive term that I use because I want to be able to serve those that may not identify with their meat suit like myself. Like I don't identify as female. And sometimes when we talk about topics like menstrual, like I said, I'm a cyclical living expert, right? So when we talk about things like menstrual cycles, it can be very triggering, especially if you identify as non-binary or you identify as a man. And I want to create a space where we can learn about our body and thrive in our body without being misgendered or minimally triggered and where we can address topics like gender dysphoria because we don't identify with our meat suit. And the market for coaching in this area is so oversaturated and over feminized. It's all, I serve women, but if you're not a woman, you can come too. Or you don't identify as a woman, you can like we're an afterthought. So really I want to come in and create a container where gender nonconforming is the priority. And we cater to that because topics like self-love and loving your body, it's not we don't start with love, right? You got to start with baby steps. So we have to go from hate to, okay, let's create a mutually beneficial relationship and then work our way up to love. Right. Now, and coming from a place where I don't know about AFABs and being non-binary, it's actually a, over the holidays, I was reading a book by Jodi Picoult and she actually put it into the perfect word. So I'm going to quote her book. It's called Mad Honey. I don't know if you've read this book before. I have not, but I'm definitely going to read it now. <laughs> it's, I don't want to give away too much uh, to you or the listeners, but Jodi Picoult, just a background on her, she's my favorite author. And she has every one of her books usually has a court case that goes along with it. And then it covers a topic that's either kind of happening in the world right now. So there was one about Black Lives Matter. It's called Simple Things. I think it's actually being turned into a movie. But this book, Mad Honey, had to do with, and I don't want to give too much away with about it, but about a transgender character. And another character wants to learn more about it. And this is the quote that I, I found in the book that really resonated. And I wanted to share it with the listeners and you on the podcast. And one of the characters wants to learn about transgender, actually. And she says, if you want to understand something, you first need to accept the fact of your own ignorance. And then you need to talk to people who know more than you do, people who have not just thought about the facts, but lived them. 
And that quote right there is exactly why I reached out to you. I wish I had this quote beforehand, but it, it actually came after I reached out to you because I don't know about AFABs and the cyclic living and, and non-binary def- and all of the definitions. Um, there's so many, which in the book after this, she is talking to another transgender character and just learning all of the the definitions and coming from a place of respect and wanting to learn because I don't know anything about it. And you're just a person after being on your podcast and finding that I was very comfortable with you and asking questions. You're someone I know I can come to and and ask those questions and feel safe. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I I definitely don't ever want anyone to feel scared to ask a dumb question because I I feel like when you get into the space, like the LGBTQ and gender identity, there's a lot of nuances and everybody's different. So I don't speak for everyone, obviously. And the best thing you can do if you want to understand someone's pronouns or where they're coming from is to just ask. And I always want to be a safe space where you can come and ask those questions and educate yourself because I think that is really important. And I love that quote. I've never, I'm really, excited to read this book because it is it is important because I think when somebody identifies or presents themselves different than the societal norms people are just generally instantly triggered because for them it is challenging a core belief or core value of the way things are supposed to be and the knee-jerk response typically I'm not saying for everyone but typically comes from a place of hate just based on like my social media and coming out and you know getting dms to go kill myself and things like that like it gets really hateful and I know it's coming from a place of I'm challenging your core beliefs and identity no absolutely and I wanted to ask about about your journey and when you came out and what that was like for you, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm very open about my journey and always willing to talk about it. So a little bit of a trigger warning on my background. There is some abuse. I won't go into details. I just always like to throw that out there before I dive into it. But I come from a background with a lot of abuse from physical to emotional to sexual. I was in the foster care system and... I have always been non-binary, but I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that you could be outside of gender norms. I didn't, you had to be male or female. And for me, being a woman was overly, it never felt right. I was definitely a tomboy. And so then that was like, okay, I'm just a tomboy. That's what it is, right? And really, what is a woman? We could get into that. That's a whole different conversation. But for me the idea of being a woman was just so over-sexualized and abused and has so many ties to it that just doesn't align with who I am as a person. Like sometimes, I don't know, I like to think of male and female as these islands, non-binary or anything outside of being male and female is like the ocean that surrounds the islands. So it's, it's not that I'm lacking gender. It's that I don't express myself or align with your idea of gender or the society's idea of what gender is. And so for me, I had a hard time with it because I was going to school to learn about, I'm going to put air quotes, female hormone health, because that's where my specialty is and living cyclically myself. And just something never just quite felt right for me. I feel like a lot of people have this just knowing in the back of their head that when somebody calls you a woman, right? You just know, yeah, I'm a woman. But for me, that never happened. And the closest that I could find to it is they, them. So when I started 
I actually started meeting people who were non-binary and they kept coming into my life. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I need to learn more about that. And the more I started to learn, the more it started to resonate. And I realized this is who I am. And it was such a freeing experience, but also a terrifying experience because how do I come out to my partner? How do I begin to even express this in a society where it's not really talked about and accepted really. So I had a conversation with my husband. I remember we were sitting in the car. Uh, my kids were asleep in the back and I was like, how would you respond if I didn't feel like I was a woman? And he kind of like got thrown back. I probably could have presented it a little bit better. <laughs> and he was like, well, do you feel like man? And I was like, no, I feel like I'm non-binary. It aligns with me more. And I kind of talked him through kind of like I was telling you. And his response was, I will always love you. It's just you being more of who you are. And how can I argue with that? And that was such a beautiful, it was just such a beautiful experience. I know I went in being scared because I know things like this have damaged a lot of marriages and relationships. And for mine, it made mine stronger. And I'm very grateful for that. But as far as coming out outside of my immediate family, it's not been as well received. Like I was saying earlier, you know, social media, I actually had a moment where I didn't want to come out in my business and transition to supporting gender nonconforming AFABs because as I started to talk about it, I was getting death threats. And I was terrified that if I step out into this in my business, that I was putting my family in danger. But it's really important to me to stand in my authenticity and truth. And I want other people to be able to do that. And if we all hide, that's never going to happen. Right. So I just still stand on my truth. I'm going to be honest. I have family that still doesn't agree with it, but they are, you know, I leveled with them and was like, Hey, this isn't for you to understand. This is for me to understand. This is my identity. And I'm getting enough hate online and literal death threats that I just need you to at least respect my pronouns. And if you can't just say my name. Mm -hmm. And ever since we've had that conversation, I've noticed that they're starting to try, which means the world. So it's been kind of a, it's been kind of a bumpy road when you've identified as a woman for 29 years and then realized like, oh, no wonder this never felt right. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I I was wondering kind of age-wise too, and, and it seems like now we've come to a time where there's more information. I know there are the bad aspects of social media, but there are the good where you can start to connect with people who start to understand and identify similarly with you and just understanding even the vocabulary and the words that they can use to then describe how they're feeling. And I love how you said that your husband just said he'll love you, you know, no matter who you are. And and I think that's that's so beautiful, like that he heard you out. And, and have you spoken to your children? I don't know how old they are. So I have a one and a half year old and a four year old. So they're really little. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I think they will just always grow up knowing me as mm -hmm. they, them as non-binary, which is really beautiful. I do still go by mom. Not every person who's non-binary does, but for me, mom is more of like a badge of honor. I've had these kids come out of my body. And for me, I feel like, like I said, mom is that badge of honor and it resonates with me. I don't really see it as a woman thing, but more mm -hmm. as like my body did this, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know where, how I got on that tangent, but it just made me really happy. <laughs> 
no, that's and that's beautiful, and it is amazing that, and yeah, your kids will grow up in it, and I think oh, even yeah, kids. Yeah. That's what you were asking me. Like, yeah, I look forward to, and I also look forward to. You know, I've started doing things to kind of deconstruct. Like I let, you know, my son play with all the toys, my daughter play with all the toys, and. I try not, you know, I tell them that they're handsome, but I also tell them both that they're beautiful and I want them to feel comfortable growing into who they are without, you know, obviously they're going to be exposed to society, right? And the ideas of gender, but I want them to have a safe space where they can always just be themselves and whatever that means to them. No, and that's that's so important. No, that's beautiful. I kind of started thinking a little bit about my childhood on a tangent and I played with like bionicles and I don't know if you had one, but yep. I also played with Barbies and like I was kind of thinking about just for some reason I just honed in on my childhood and like my parents were very just play with whatever toys you want and and so I know I feel like if I ever did have the feeling of identifying differently I think my parents would have been also very open and I think that's I would like to call myself very lucky that my family has been you know my immediate family I can't speak about everybody else but I know growing up it's having allowing your children to to grow into whatever person they want to become is so important. And so I was wondering then when people get in touch with you, have you seen different age groups of women now identifying as non-binary? Is there an age group you're noticing there's more is there a shift in the age group? Hmm. That's a fabulous question. I haven't really thought about it. I think it's, I definitely think the younger generation who are now teens or in their early twenties are getting really more solidified in who they are and understanding and deconstructing because of how open the world is, you know, with TikTok and all of the social media, we have access to so much information that's not as curated as it used to be when the internet first came out, right? And we also are being more open about it. People are more open to be themselves now, even though I'm not minimizing a lot of the hate and just scary things that are happening. But realistically, we are in a place where we're more open than we used to be. So I think that we are seeing a lot more of the younger generation. And this is why we hear a lot of it's a fad right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's not a fad. We're just showing that we exist and we're not hiding anymore. And I also see a lot of people like my age in their 30s, like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't have access to this information. I didn't know this was a thing. And this resonates so deeply with me. And we are feeling safe enough to come out. And I think for people who are my age, it's a lot of deconstruction of stories and expectations that have been put on us our entire lives. And that healing takes so much time and you have to get to a container where you feel safe to do that work, right? Especially for me, for example, I grew up from a place of trauma for so long that I didn't even reach a safe state of being until I was like 25 and I met my partner. And, you know, not that you have to have a partner for a safe container, but for me, I needed that. I needed to know what that relationship would be like and to be in a home that was safe and solid and structured to start to do that work. And then at 29, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to put the pieces together. So I think, I don't really think it's about age. I think it really comes down to how you grew up, how much deconstruction you have to do to get to the point where you're willing, again, being gender nonconforming challenges core 
values mm-hmm. and is very triggering. So you have to get to a place where you can get outside of that trigger. Absolutely. And you brought up a great point about how a lot of, I think, society as a whole thinks it's a fab. Oh, this is just a phase. You're just trying to fit in. And yeah, just seeing your expression too, just that that can be that must be so frustrating because it's not a phase. It's who you are. And and I think in being a teenager is challenging within and of itself. But then trying to figure out what your identity is. Yeah, like I said, teenager is hard. And then having people tell you, oh, it's just a phase. You'll grow out of it. And, you know, just wait. And once you're in college and then you're an adult and, you know, you're fully developed, you know, your brain develops at 25 or something. Finally, people are can put you in kind of a box. Do you have people who reach out to you that do feel like they're being put in a box and kind of what advice can you give someone who feels like they've been put in this box and no one's listening? Hmm. I would say if you are feeling like you're being put in a box, there's so many variables to that, but I would say to remember that your safety and your state of being and your truth matters for you and you cannot control how other people respond to that, right? So setting firm boundaries, again, if you can, I know a lot of people, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to be out in the open and some people only feel safe coming out with certain people. So in certain situations, they may be they, them, and then with their family, they may assign, go with how they were born, male or female, whatever that is, because it's what makes them feel safe. So I would trust your gut and your intuition in areas where you feel safe to allow yourself to explore. And if that is just with yourself, knowing within and inside yourself that I am outside of this box and I am exploring, that's okay. And if you want to come out and be free as a bird, I think that's really beautiful too. But it all comes down to you need to feel safe in your expression and where you're expressing it. And I know it sucks to have to be a chameleon sometimes, but the reality of the world that we live in, there are situations where it's dangerous. If you are coming out in a space where you don't feel safe, it's going to make that so much harder to come out when you're ready to be open with everybody because you're going to have that fear. Kind of like I was telling you with my business, right? I was scared to step into that because I'm afraid I'm putting my family in danger. So I had to take a big pause on my business to really deconstruct and figure out what I wanted to do and make sure that I felt safe before I stepped into that. So I would just say, follow your heart and listen to your intuition, really. Mm -hmm. No, it's so beautiful. Like you're so eloquent with like the way you describe everything. Like I love listening to you. <laughs> I feel like I'm stumbling, so thank you. <laughs> no, no, like you're just I'm just like ah, this is I'm just so happy we're having this conversation. And just I love what you said because I think there's just yeah, I want this this episode to also be kind of a place if there is someone listening who who feels like they aren't being heard or they've been put in a box that they can resonate with it and what you're sharing is is beautiful. And and so for pronouns. So if you could break down for me and I want to make sure I understand too. So you said AFAB is assigned female at birth. So as mm-hmm. assigned female at birth, you identify as she, but then you can change your pronoun to they, them, there, if you're non-binary. So 
Right. So assigned female at birth is just an inclusive term. So women are assigned female at birth. Non-binary people are assigned female at birth. So it's an encompassing because the information that I have to share definitely applies to AFABs who identify as women, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm cyclical living. Again, I make my space where gender non-conforming is the priority. So gender non-conforming is where we get into, I don't identify with how I was assigned at birth. It doesn't fully okay. resonate. I'm ge- I don't conform with the gender norms. And so as far as pronouns, I cannot, there is a crap ton of pronouns. <laughs> so <laughs> that we, I don't know all of them and I can't speak to all of them because I know there's like Z, Zer, like there, there are plenty of different kinds of pronouns we could get into. So I wouldn't get lost in that, right? So we have okay. he and she. Mm-hmm. which, you know, AMABs, assigned male at birth, can mm-hmm. identify as she as well as he. And, you know, same thing with AFABs, they can identify with either. And then we have, again, like I told you, that ocean, which is kind of like where non-binary is. And there are many different ways that non-binary people can express themselves. I know there are some, you'll see pronouns where people have like she, they, Mm -hmm. and that confuses some people. And I feel like, and again, I don't speak for everybody, but I feel like when people have he, they, or she, they, it's more of, I know that I'm perceived as a woman and I know people are going to call me she, and I'm okay with that, but I prefer they, you know, that's how I usually read that. Uh, But when it comes down to pronouns, just ask people. If you don't know, just ask. And I love asking people because asking the question, you know, when, I, when I'm when i introducing myself, like, hey, I'm Alyssa, I go by they, them pronouns. What are your preferred pronouns? Or let me rephrase that. I don't like preferred. And I'm going to explain that real quick. My pronouns are who I am. It's not who I prefer to be. Mm-hmm. So that's a language thing that I'm working on switching. And I encourage you if, mm-hmm. if it's something you're you know curious about, don't use preferred because then it gives people the choice on what to use for you. Anyways, I would just ask people. And when you ask people, what are your pronouns? Their reaction will tell you if it's a safe space or not. <laughs> that is true. If they're curious, okay. like, what do you mean? Or you have people be like, Ugh, what? I don't use pronouns. You know, you can yeah. just you can just tell in that moment whether this is a safe space or if it's somebody you want to build a relationship with. So I've made it a practice that when I meet new people, I just ask them, "What do you prefer okay. pronouns?" That way, I know not only what their pronouns are but whether or not this is a friendship that I even want to pursue. Right. Oh, that's a good little test. Oh, that's a good good test. And so if I'm asked what my pronouns are, then I identify as she. So because you mentioned three. there's You said you, you identify as um, they. Yeah, I'm they, them. them. They, yep. them. So you'd okay. be she, her. She, her. Oh, right. And oh, you can even, ju- you, you right, can even yeah. just say she or identify as a woman. You know, okay. you can answer that question however it makes you feel comfortable. But I say my pronouns are they, them, or yeah. And then there's he, him. There's Zizer. There's more than that. And I can't think of them right now off the top of my head. But yeah, so that's why I just ask. Okay. And okay. if you if you are ever in a situation where you don't know, but you know the person's name, just use their name. If you don't feel comfortable asking, that's that's an easy thing to do is just use people's names. Use names. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it does come down to names. And have you ever, coming to names, some people decide to change their names um, once they identify differently. And is that correct saying, can I say identify differently or how is that, how should I, I want to say that in a way when someone chooses to identify, I don't want to say differently because I don't know, differently doesn't seem like the right word to use or what can I say that? I want to be like, I want to 
say you've I feel like, again, this is one of those situations where everyone's differently. Mm -hmm. Everyone's different, right? Right. Um, So I would say when someone identifies, gosh, that's a fabulous question. I haven't really thought about that. When somebody identifies against the gender norm, maybe. I know it's kind of a mouthful, but yeah. I personally don't see anything wrong with gender with identifies differently because I feel like you're saying differently than the norm, norm. when you say okay. that for me. Okay, so I can say that. So when someone identifies differently and they change their name um, to, for example, I don't know, Matt to Monica or you know the the names change. Um, have Have you ever thought about changing your name? If I may ask. Yeah, um, it is something that. I feel like I've already kind of done, which kind of goes to my backstory a little bit. So like Reader's Digest of my life. I grew up with a father who I found out later in life when I got put in foster care wasn't actually my father. So my name was Alyssa Gray growing up. And what it really was is my name was Alyssa Williams. And he had just like scratched out my last name on my birth certificate and just the school systems took it for some reason. Oh my gosh. Small, small towns. And so I got put in foster care at 13 and talk about identity crisis. My name wasn't yeah. even right. Um, <laughs> so my name was Alyssa Williams. And then I met my bio family and that was an abusive situation and wasn't great. And so I am no contact with my fam- my bio family personally. And so when I got married, I was so excited because it was like a death of that part of me, right? Because I've already Mm -hmm. cut contact with my family and now I'm losing the name. So my middle name is, I haven't legally changed it, but you'll see on everything that I have, I go by Alyssa Lily. Lily is not my actual middle name. It's not my legal middle name, but it's the middle name that I choose to go by because I don't want any connection with that part of me that died right Mm. and so I I know it's not the same for everyone because mine's more of like a release of trauma and a release of a family that I don't connect with but for other people it's I feel this name aligns with me more and who I am and in you know in an essence it is kind of the same but it is a little bit different so for me I feel like I already kind of did that but for different reasons Mm. okay okay yeah no that that Oh, I get that. Yeah, Alyssa Lily is really beautiful too, by the way. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I love the name Lily. Growing up, our dog was Lily, and she we called her like Lily of the Valley, and she was like such a part of the family, and like she was the cutest dog. She's still my screensaver on my phone, even though she passed away like seven years ago. But so yeah, so I love the name Lily. It always like brightens me up because I know it was a dog, but she was our, our family, and like that, that name always like brings back good memories. So that's a beautiful – I love Lily. <laughs> so, oh. so yeah. Yeah, I think I've asked most of of the questions I was wondering and, and you've described everything so beautifully. And I think also having having read the book Mad Honey, where the quote comes from. And again, I don't want to give away too much because yeah, the theme of the book changes and it's kind of a surprise. So I don't I wouldn't want to give away too much. But there I also in the book I learned so much about about transgender and the difference, there was a, I wish I had saved this page in it, but there's also the difference of, what was it, is there's the word cis. Cis is to, it's like straight and... Cisgendered um, is is like you identify with the gender you were born as. Born with. So there's mm-hmm. like straight and gay is what cis to 
because like um gosh what was i'm totally butchering i'm so sorry i'm totally butchering this there's the difference of like yeah if so if you're straight is the opposite of gay so you're you're Straight is you're attracted to the opposite gender. Gay, you're attracted to the same gender. Is equivalent to what is the opposite of of cis? cis? Yeah, I don't know if I know that. I probably should. Oh my god, <laughs> I, that's where I. That's why I like for me. I say gender nonconforming, or I'm part of the LGBTQ. That is okay. The, like in my mind, that's the opposite of cis because cis is normal societal standards right. of straight, and you identify with the gender you were born as. Maybe cis is to trans then. Would that be the right? Yes and no. Because, you know, non-binary, for example, Mm -hmm. some people who are non-binary identify as trans and some don't. That's right. Okay. So, like, while yes, it is the opposite, it doesn't encompass everything that's on the opposite. Got it. Because that's how one of the characters was trying to break it down of to the other character. Yeah, I don't want. I just don't want to give away too much of the book. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a great book. I, I can't even. Jodi Bacol is an amazing author. She covers every topic there is. And but yeah, so everybody go read Mad Honey. I wish I could do a book club because it, it's such a great book. There is one more thing I did want to touch on is where you talk about the cyclical living. And okay. so can you explain to listeners? And we probably should have done this earlier. What is cyclical living? And then how do you? incorporate that into your coaching? Yeah. So I love this question. Um, so cyclical living, AMAB, so assigned male at birth, run on a 24-hour hormone cycle. So they literally reset every day. And so all of the diet and exercise and wellness plans are tested on and for the AMAB body because when they go into, and when you read the case studies into a lot of these fad diets and stuff and exercise plans, they view AFABs who are menstruating as too much of a variable because our hormone cycle runs on a 28 to 35 day cycle, which you see manifested when you have a bleed or the menstrual phase of your cycle. And so the normal things like the daily routine, doing the same thing every day, eating the same meal plan every day works for AMABs, but it doesn't work for AFABs. So if you see, you see this a lot with cis couples. So a man and a woman who are together and they go on a diet together, right? And they follow it. And you see the man who barely even like follows the plan, drops weight like crazy. And then you see the woman who is struggling and is following, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, following everything and just either maintains or gains weight. And that's because this routine, this 24-hour cycle is not built for our bodies. So cyclical living is a way of living in alignment with your hormone cycle. And so for me, in my business, I use the lunar blueprint because again, following menstrual cycles can be very triggering for a lot of people that are gender non-conforming. So an example would be when you're bleeding, right? This would be your new moon or your inner winter. And this is the time where your body is meant to move less and eat more, which is the Mm -hmm. opposite of diet culture and wellness, right? We're not supposed to be productive. We're supposed to rest. I tell, you know, my clients all the time, this is proper movement during this phase is to go take a nap um, and give yourself permission to eat comfort foods. And, you know, there are certain nutrients like iron, obviously, that you need during this season, But it's really, you think of like hearty winter stews and soups and all these different things. You want to eat really hearty and move less. And so that, you know, and you can go with each moon phase too for your luteal phase and your ovulation phase 
and your um, follicular phase, etc. And so, you know, our ovulation phase is the opposite. That's our full moon. That's our inner summer. That's when we have peak energy. That's when the normal diet plans and <laughs> workout plans work for us because we're meant to move more and eat less and eat more summery foods like salads and things. Um, so it's all about in that 28 day to 35 day cycle, living in alignment, not only nutritionally, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. Because, you know, just like the moon, I don't know how many of your listeners are into the woo, but <laughs> following the moon for setting intentions, we have that clock internally and it's called for AFABs is called the infradian rhythm. And it's such a beautiful experience when you start to live in alignment with that. You break free from this idea. Again, it's a lot of deconstruction in here too, of having to be productive all the time and burning yourself out. Mm-hmm. And when you live in alignment and give yourself permission to rest, when you need to rest and be productive when it's most optimal for you, you just, you thrive so much more in your life. And you are, you end up being more productive because it's designed for your unique body. Mm-hmm. No, that is so true. I know the U.S. On a side note, uh, the U.S. women's soccer team follows cyclical living with the team, and they've won three World Cups now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's science. Like it's 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 science that's relatively new because again, we're considered such a variable when we are in our menstruation phase and have the 28 to 35 day cycle that manifests in a bleed that they're just like, ah, we're just not going to touch that. And so we're getting in this and learning about how our body works. And it's like, wow, we should probably be teaching this because oh, it yeah. really does work. You know, for example, following the fad diets and exercise plans during your menstrual phase that I talked about, you should be resting and eating more. Your body will go into starvation mode and you'll put on weight right? Because you're not following what your body needs in that moment. So it's like a combination of intuitive eating, intuitive living, but also using the signals and the communication that your body has with you to give it what it needs. No, absolutely. No, I've, I definitely have started probably in the last two years following my cycle, especially when I was studying for my architecture exams, I started to notice, okay, I would plan for my exam to be around ovulation because I knew that's when I had the highest energy, the highest focus. And then I always knew, and I knew to give myself that space when my body was in the winter cycle to not push myself too much. And I noticed so much more success in my exam. So there is so much truth to listening to your body. And I know how my husband and I, we are on totally different diets. I mean, he's on he eats like once a day sometimes and he has his like main meal and he's, yeah, I mean, dropping weight, getting like muscles. And I told him if I did that, first off, I would be hungry the entire day, totally hangry. And there's just so many times in the month, like you said, when you follow the cycle, you, I just wouldn't be able to resonate with that diet. And and so- You'd be nutri- nutrition deficient. Like you'd oh, be absolutely. missing key nutrients that you need. Yeah. No, Absolutely. Well, Alyssa, I think thank you so much again for coming on and for opening up and and sharing your story with us. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? I would say the thing that I would leave anyone listening with is just to always keep a mind of curiosity. Don't get stuck in your ways too much because it's always important to continuously learn and grow. 
And then for you, I just wanted to leave with the last note of gratitude. You know, you asked me in the beginning of the podcast what I'm grateful for. I am super grateful that you took the time to, again, have me on this Mm -hmm. podcast to talk about a topic that a lot of people are afraid to talk about because of backlash and different things, because it is, again, challenging those core values. So I just really appreciate you keeping that open mind and that childlike curiosity because it is so important. Well, thank you so much. I am beyond grateful to have had Alyssa on the podcast today. Being able to ask questions and educate myself about what it means to identify as non-binary, I know we barely just touched the tip on this subject, but I feel so much more informed and understanding, and I hope you also have taken away something from today's episode as well. If you want to learn more from Alyssa, they just launched a new podcast, The Courageous Embodiment Podcast, a podcast that creates... I am beyond grateful to have had Alyssa on the podcast today. Being able to ask questions and educate myself about what it means to identify as non-binary, I know we barely just touched the tip on this subject, but I feel so much more informed and understanding, and I hope you have taken away something from today's episode as well. If you want to learn more from Alyssa, they just launched a new podcast, The Courageous Embodiment Podcast, a podcast created for gender nonconforming AFABs to feel at home. Of course, I'll provide a link in the show notes to Alyssa's podcast and website. Alyssa, thank you again for coming on the podcast and allowing me to ask my questions. I am so grateful for you. And if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much and see you next Friday. Mm-hmm.